my goodness. Nobody plays a horn like that. This is KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome, and that was some music from the movie Bowden. I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute. So like I said at the top of the show, we will be joined in a few minutes by David Webb out of Dayton, Ohio's Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center, as well as singer-songwriter Mr. Robert Elijah Storm Daniels, Coming in at the top of our show, or excuse me, at the bottom of our show, but we already have our first guest on the line right now. Before I bring this first guest in, though, I want to remind you that we have a Facebook page out there, y'all. Facebook.com slash SoulChildrenLA. That's how you can find all of our events and keep up with our latest developments. Facebook.com slash SoulChildrenLA. You can also find us on Instagram.com slash SoulChildrenLA. And we have an archive page as well. MixCloud.com slash Soul Children L.A. Well, there is always some very fascinating elements when you talk about combining mental health with the effects it has on some of our most celebrated as well as unsung heroes of music. So had a chance to see an amazing movie upon the recommendation of our first guest here. She was here a few weeks ago, and uh, she is a mental health counselor now residing in Southern California, and she has some very interesting perspectives to share on this topic tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School mental health therapist, Miss Emily Wessel. Miss Wessel, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we are excited to have you back wonderfully in the mix tonight we have you joining us to talk about this movie Bowden wow I'm glad you recommended it to me because I have been hearing about it I saw my friend A. Scott Galloway's review of it and people have been talking about it and I see it got your attention as well uh general impressions what were your thoughts on the movie about Buddy Bowden Wow. I mean, you know, I, I thought the film was excellent. Um, I was a little disappointed in some of the reviews because although the film was disjointed, I kind of felt like that was the point. You know, it was told from the perspective of this artist who was put in an insane asylum for alcoholism and possible schizophrenia, but his diagnosis is, is vague and unclear based on just the limitations of the industry at that time. And you know, it was really told from right. his perspective as he reminisced, you know, and he had, as we know, with Alzheimer's patients and all kinds of different people, music jars memory, sometimes deeply rooted memory. And so this, this mm. movie really spoke to so many different levels of mental health. I just thought it was beautifully done. Oh, well, talk to us about that a little bit, because I did pick up on that part where they did assign him to an institution, and I didn't see anywhere in there where he was talking to a therapist or a counselor or or a trained mental health specialist. I just saw the judge signing <laughs> off on it. So uh, you sure. just said something very fascinating about the impact that music can have on uh, the psyche and perhaps the brain function as it triggers memories. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about that. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I'm certainly not a music therapist. Or, you know, there are people that are brilliant in that area and they specialize in that, but I have a passion for music as a dancer and um, growing up, you know, with family from all different places, particularly Dayton, Ohio, which we'll get to later. Um, so I, ha I really Absolutely. understand the, the importance and the impact that music can have on, on students, on children, on, um, on adults, and then especially on, on, my, on clients, you know, uh, when it comes to patients and mental health. And uh, a couple years ago there was a video of uh, an older gentleman, and he was sort of, you know, really kind of out of it, um, uh, dementia patient, you know, very far gone, and they played some big band music, and he just got jumping. I mean, in his chair, his 
you know, tapping its foot. And so music has oh, yeah. an impact on people, and there's been many studies done to show that the power of music. And what I thought was really special about Bolden is they opened it up with Louis Armstrong playing a track and making it a tribute to King Buddy Bolden. And here he was listening, and, yeah. and who knows if this is, you know, really what happened or if it's dramatized, but right. the idea of that is, is very real. I mean, that could have very well happened. Um, and Absolutely. have had that impact and really brought him out of the psychosis that he was in and, and um, you know, and, and into the present moment. So then we get to go down memory lane with him in this beautiful um, cinematic version of his story. Um, and although it was disjointed, yeah. I felt like it was that way because he had either alcohol-induced, you know, psychosis or schizophrenia or both, which we know are, are mm. mental health challenges that are often compounded. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out, and it would take a trained eye as yours to be able to pick up on that because I was experiencing difficulty following the sequencing of the story as they would flip back and forth between what was the present and him flashing back to uh, moments of his past. And anytime you talk about sort of a, 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 a film and a, a period piece, number one, but then when you're flashing back even from you know modern day in the script, it's always challenging to, to, to keep up and to figure out what parts are happening in the now. I mean, except for those obvious moments when he was reflecting back to being a child, for example, laying on the floor and being in the uh, the sewing room with with his mom and, you know, picking up the, the, the rhythmic vibrations and uh, all the percussive yeah. elements that were around him. I mean, I, I thought that was uh, incredibly I fascinating. Love that scene. <laughs> yeah, answer, it, it was course, beautiful. I love that scene. And yeah, yeah I kind of thought about you too when you you mentioned the dancing. <laughs> she because she did get up and do a little two step. You're absolutely right. So when you because your your focus is sort of uh, addiction and trauma informed practices. Um, yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how that can manifest. Can it cause you to hallucinate? Number one, can it cause you to uh, be forgetful? Can it cause you to um, lose? Your, your your sense of reality. What what are some of the ensuing effects of addiction oh, uh, in your practice? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many there's so many layers to that. But um, you know, to, to speak to that point, I mean, absolutely, alcohol alone can can create alcohol induced uh, dementia, alcohol induced psychosis. There's and these are diagnoses that are actually uh, you know available in some of our different clinical handbooks and and diagnostic tools. Um, then if you add drugs, uh, you know, substances, both prescription and non-prescription, street drugs, things like that, you can also add flame to the fire. And I think one of the most challenging things for medical doctors is to work alongside clinicians that are specialized in substance use disorder and the different manifestations of it so that there can be a more long-term care. I think that's still very separate in our, in our culture today. It's getting better. I, I noticed in California there's a little bit more consistency with the handoff, but um, I've worked in different states, and it hasn't always been the case. Mm, about that? Well, I, I would highly recommend people watch the film. At times, it was definitely a bit dark, a bit disturbing, and I would say on the whole, d despite that, it was very informative because, like I said, very few people have heard of Buddy Bolden and his impact on music, and you, you always want the people properly credited for their contribution, and without this movie, which I had read up on online, is uh, this is like sort of the second rendition of it. I mean, the filmmaker—I keep forgetting to look up his name—but when we get back from this break, I'll have it in my back pocket. 
But uh, he's been trying to make this film for years, and yeah. he's actually made this the second version of it. And so it is in theaters or uh, depending on your area, right, Emily? Because it was you who told me uh, where to find it. Uh, Amazon well, yeah, Prime. I mean, yeah, it's online. You can see it online. Um, I was also, I noticed right away, it came out, I think, on May 5th or 6th, and, and it wasn't very broadly shown in different theaters. And I'm in L.A., Los Angeles, where usually you can see any movie. Right. I mean, everything's here, you know. Um, so I was really surprised that it wasn't um, as widely available. But then I was, I was lucky to find it on, you know, you could pay for it on YouTube or on, you know, Amazon yeah. Prime or something like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I would highly recommend people to do it, especially if you're interested in the, the history of music and uh, find out who this hero was. Uh, he's widely celebrated by celebrated artists today like Wynton Marcellus, who did the soundtrack and the score. And um, it, it's, it's a very interesting, in-depth film. Uh, much like Emily said, I mean, there's so little known about him that they had to sort of piecemeal and do a lot of guesswork as to what really happened, because there are few to zero actual recordings of this man's music. Mm-hmm. But you can hear his influence in uh, trumpeters such as Louis Armstrong, who you spoke of earlier, Wynton Marsalis, and uh, even Miles Davis mm-hmm. to a degree. And so uh, it's so yeah. important that we preserve uh, this, this treasure, this national treasure, Buddy Bowden. Well, Emily, the reason why I wanted you here was not only for a re- quick review of the Bowden movie. Uh, we have a guest coming up after this break uh, out of your hometown of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, have you ever heard of Mr. David Webb, Emily Wessel? I certainly have. I'm actually a big fan of his work with the Funk Center and, and the education programs he's put together. Dayton is my mother's hometown, and, and Cincinnati is my father's hometown. And I was born in Cincinnati, but wow. raised in Dayton as well. And so I spent a lot of time in both cities, which are, I mean, they have incredible music history. And, and uh, Mr. Webb's doing an, a beautiful job of preserving some of that. So I'm very Absolutely. excited to talk about Yeah, so am I. I'm glad you're both going to be on the line. So if you could stay with us, we're going to take a real short break and bring Mr. David Webb into this discussion. So this is KCWG, thetruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. That's Emily Wessel on the line. And after this break, we'll be joined by the Funk Center's David Webb. So stay tuned for more. We'll be right back after this. This is David Webb, the president and CEO of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center. And you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on K-C-W-G, thetruth.com, the best internet radio show on the planet. So lock it in and tear off the knob. Get it to you and let it hang. I wanna give it to you the way you always want it. Make you shine, shine. Hang on, baby.
yes. Music sounding good to your ear hole. This is KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome, and that was some music from a Dayton band, and I want my guest to uh, introduce it. Uh, we have Emily West. Oh, excuse me. We have Emily Wessel on the line with us as well. So uh, together, uh, Emily, let's bring in our next guest. This gentleman is out of the Midwest region of our country. He has embarked upon preserving the legacy of funk music in a wonderful establishment called the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center right there in the funk capital of the world, Dayton, Ohio. And I'm so excited that he's going to be joining Emily and myself tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother David Webb. Mr. Webb, are you there? I am there. How are you doing, everyone? Oh, we are good. Say hi to my guest, Miss Emily Wessel. Emily Wessel, hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here talking with you guys. Yes, yes. It's, 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 it's truly a pleasure speaking with you, Emily. Oh, that's fabulous. And David, she's from Dayton as well. Can you believe that? I got two Daytonites on the phone at the same time. How about that? <laughs> well, you know, someone always said it's something in the water. Yeah. Well, I know wow. <laughs> well, Emily, Emily, check this out. Uh, David Webb, I'm going to see if he remembers this. The last time he was here, um, you told us why uh, people in Dayton are so funky. Uh, can you break that down for us again, uh, Mr. Webb? Why are people like Emily and you and Dayton funk artists so funky? Okay, the great Marshall Jones, The Rock, he made a comment uh, that uh, he said, Dayton, Ohio is something about the water in Dayton, Ohio. He said God stuck his foot in the Miami Valley, the sweat off of God's feet and ran into the water. That's why they said something in the water. So what I did was I called the city of Dayton and asked them, that's not fluoride, that's God's sweaty feet in the water and making it so funky. <laughs> <laughs> now I know wow. <laughs> exactly. Emily, there you go. If they, they ask you now, you, you, you got your script now. <laughs> and Marshall Jones is the bass player. They call him the rock. Uh, the, the bass player for the Ohio players. God, the rest of his soul, he passed on. But he was the, the yeah. driving force of the bass of the Ohio players. And you think about it, mm -hmm. he never plucked the bass in none of his songs. Oh, yeah? Never plucked or slapped the bass. Wow. Well, how did he get that sound? How did he get that amazing sound then? The, the rock sound, because he played straight. He played straight and he kept it. The band wanted him... It would be different. Now plucking just straight drive. Him and him and Billy Beck. Before uh, him and Billy Beck play, you know, with the keyboards, and then you had Jimmy Diamond on the drums. You know, and I mean, both of them just like the the, the rails and the train, chucka 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 like that. But before then, before it was Jimmy Diamond, it was another drumman called uh, his uh, Mr. Um, um, uh, uh, Greg Webster. Greg Webster was the original drummer of the Ohio Players. He played Pain and Funky Worm. So that, so I mean, uh -oh. just think about. Uh -huh. Ooh, the Westbound years. Wow. Yes, yes, yeah, the Westbound that, that, years. That was some, yeah, that was some of their best stuff, man. Before they got real commercial and were signed to Mercury Records. I love the Westbound years, man. That's uh -huh. absolutely amazing. Well, we're talking yes. about uh, the the preservation culture, and you are notorious for that, my brother. Uh, Emily and I were talking about the Buddy Bolden movie, and uh, uh -huh. right before we brought you on, we were playing a Dayton funk band called Slave. Uh, that was Drac is Back off the concept album, featuring uh -huh. uh, the guitarist, Mr. Uh, Mark Drac Hicks. 
Uh, yeah, my brother, Marcus. can you uh, enlighten uh, Emily and I and the audience about this band Slave real quick, and particularly Mark Drack Hicks? What has been your experience with he and the Funk Music Hall of Fame? Well, the in- interesting thing about this group, these guys, think about this. These was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, oldest was 20-year-olds, who got a record deal with Cantillion Records. These kids were out of Rolf High School, Roosevelt High School, uh, Patterson High School, and these kids were just awesome who got a record deal. And one of the things about these guys, they played with like serious young musicians, professionals at that age of uh, uh, teenagers. And they're so, it was so awesome. And when he, when Mark Hicks played the ba- the guitar, I mean, it was just awesome. You would think he was a professional 40-year-old man, and he was only 17 years old playing the guitar. Wow. They were just cute. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? So much talent at such a young age. But since you're both from Dayton, uh, I'm going to toss this to Emily and then to you, Mr. Webb. Uh, What do you recall about being in that region, Emily? I mean, I know you you stem from multiple places from around the country, but Dayton in particular, uh, what was your experience? And then I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Webb. Well, sure, yeah. My, so my grandmother, um, my mom grew up in Vandalia, and my grandparents bought their house there in the 50s, and, and they had it up until um, 2016 when we sold it, and, and they passed on. And, and so, I, you know, I've been going to Dayton my whole life, in the summers, you know, Christmas breaks, you know, pretty much any time my mom was home, you know. It was, it was the only real home we, we kind of knew as kids. So although we moved around quite a bit, um, you know, lived in Washington, D.C. for a very long time and, and other places. Um, you know, Cincinnati was my dad's home and Dayton was my mom's home. So we just visited quite a bit. And my mom was very into music. She raised me on music. And Dayton was a uh, just a great place to have uh, roots in if you were into music, especially funky music, which, I, you know, as a dancer and a B-girl, I couldn't understand why I was so attracted to that sound. A lot of people think you know, B-girl and B-boy breakdancing culture comes from hip-hop, but, you know, really it's funk music that we dance to, and so I, I, it just made sense. It all started to make sense when I realized that, that a lot of the roots were in, in Dayton. How about that? How on point is that, Mr. Webb? What are your thoughts? That, that, is, that is right on point because, you know, all the hip-hop stars you know sample the Dayton sound of funk music from Lakeside, Sun, Ohio mm-hmm. players, Heat Wave, mm-hmm. uh, like Slave again, like that, Zapp and Roger. I mean, it's so many yep. groups came out of Dayton with the rappers who sampled these guys. I mean, it's tremendous. But like they're growing up, I grew up on the west side of Dayton, uh, on the corner of uh, McCall and uh, Ethel Avenue. And I grew up in that area. I've seen these guys every day walking down the store, getting some food, sitting, talking to them. But we never knew how big they were until. Other people, they went to other cities, and other cities like, man, you know this person, you know that person. Yeah, he just played basketball with me yesterday. So we didn't, we didn't, we took it for granted. But they were huge stars outside of the city of Dayton. Hmm. Wow. Well, we talk about um, just. Oh, Emily, you had something to say? Yeah. Well, actually, I was just going to ask because since we're talking about sampling, that's you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, my mom's generation was more, you know. She was raised in the 60s and 70s. I was raised in the 80s and 90s. So I, you know, we did, I didn't know that we had this intergenerational connection between, like, me liking the hip-hop songs that sampled the funk and, you know, dub and reggae songs that she liked. And, and so I kind of wish that there was more in the schools to support, like, that intergenerational connection because, you know, sure, we, you know, kids always want to think they're doing the newest thing, but a lot of times we're not. And, and we could actually be more connected mm. with our 
with our generation, other generations and our families and in our communities if we kind of knew. And, and so I guess I'm just curious um, if the Funk Center is doing, like, education programs. Are you guys working, you know, with some of these intergenerational connections? Oh, that's a great question. question. We are. We are. We're doing, we're, doing a, we're doing a great job. We're reaching out to colleges and students and letting them know that you play an instrument. One of my goals when I go out and talk to uh, the students, I say, you, quit bullying your friends. Bully an instrument. When you bully an instrument, it stimulates your mind, heart, soul, and body. I did a TED, TEDx Dayton TED talk about that. If you go to our YouTube page, punch in The Funk Center, all one word, and you get a chance to see it, I did a TED talk about that, how at 13 years old, how the arts and funk music influenced my life and changed my life. When my teacher told me, I was too uncoordinated by playing the drums. I said, I showed her. I showed her I can play the drums. And the Ohio players inspired me to play the drums and later on play the piano. Ooh. Wow. It, it starts with education. So you are a preservationist, my brother. Um, what can you tell us about some of the latest developments? Well, before we even get to that, um, why the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center? Because Emily and I, I don't know if you heard us at the top of the show, we were discussing the uh, movie Buddy Bolden, or Bolden, I should say, and it was an effort to recapture uh, the, the life and legacy of this unsung hero who was so important to, to all of music, but jazz in particular. Um, you are sort of uh, on a mission as well to sort of preserve the, the legacy of funk. Um, what... What has inspired you to, to keep this mission alive and going in lieu of all of the modern-day music that continues to emerge uh, across the country that was influenced and shaped by music from this region? What can you tell us about that? Um, that's a great question. You know, uh, one of my one of my our golden mission is to educate our public's knowledge and the history of funk music. On the one, as James Brown says, the genre of funk music collective was sold and really gift for our young people, Generation Y, Z, X, and Millennials. They need to know about music because when we back to what I was saying back when we were in school, it was important to play musical instruments, and they're taking musical instruments out of schools for some strange reasons. That's why the funk center wants to make sure we put instruments back in the children's hands. Let them know, play an instrument, quit bullying kids, bully an instrument, that's very important. Now, the genre of music has changed a lot, as you see. Uh, I was talking to Sinbad a lot of times. I talked to him on the phone, and Sinbad made a comment. He said, you know, some of the rappers, when they came with that gangster rap, they just kind of smashed the world of music. And it, don't get me wrong, that's poetic what they were doing. I understand that. But they, they're not showing the, the heart and soul of music. Because when we were in school, we had to learn how to play an instrument and made the instruments very important to us and that genre of that style of music. So now we go back to something what you said earlier about, about rap music. Dayton Ohio is the most sampled city in America for rap music. It is important that people understand that because where everybody was doing their little dance and they, they do this, they do that, but music was very important to me as a kid coming up. I had to listen to uh, from the Earth, Wind, and Fires uh, to the Shy Lights and different music genres of music. It was very important to me. And once I toned music in my head and understand it, because think about this. You remember this real quick. Um, yeah, I remember uh, my education rock, schoolhouse rock. Yeah, remember that back in the day? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, remember remember when they used to do Confunction Junction, What's Your Function? And remember that I'm in a bill, yes, I'm only a bill? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. But it, oh, yeah. That, was very, that was very, very important because my teacher was wondering this. He said, how did you learn the preamble in two weeks? 
because of music and tones in my head. And that's what makes it very important mm. to me. That's why I tell people, music, 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 learn it, eat it, live it. And that's mm. what I'm doing here with the Funk Center, making sure instruments are in kids' hands. Oh, absolutely. That's really awesome. Oh, yes. This is KCWG, thetruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome, and that was the voice of the Funk Music's Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center CEO and President, Mr. David Webb, out of Dayton, Ohio. And we're also joined tonight by Emily Wessel, all the way out here on the West Coast. Emily Wessel, go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, I was curious a little bit, too, about how you're connecting with the dance community, David, because I, I know, you know, when I was living in D.C., I worked with this, a, an awesome organization called Urban Artistry, and they were a dance company that was all about preservation. We did a lot of work with the Smithsonian, and, and I'm interested, we were mostly about preserving dance culture and, you know, where dance came from, and, you know, if this dance came from this genre of music, then what came before it that inspired it? So really similar to the conversation we're having about sampling and, and different types of music. Are you guys connecting at all with dance, or is this strictly about music and most, most, def- most definitely. We, we're part of, we, we partnership with the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company on a couple of uh, things with the part of the University of Dayton. We have a front symposium we did a couple of years ago, and we're going to do it next year again. Uh, and we a lot of the funk stars come to the symposium. It's going to be like it's going to be like our second annual symposium with uh, given by Dr. Sharon Grotto of the Grad Chair of the University of Dayton. Uh, she reached out to me. She came to the museum, and she, and when she came to the museum at that time, uh, she was like, "Wow, I, a lot of things I did not know." So we teach funk music one on one, and also too, uh, there's a lot of uh, people who did the hip hop dancing. We do they do hip hop dancing. They do uh, modern dancing, uh, and they do a little. Uh, uh, little different kind of dancing, new dancing coming up. Kids are doing different skills, and we they put a b- music with the funk music, and because they say, well, funk music is cool. I remember this song. I remember that song. So they do their own style. Yes, we are putting dance with funk. Very cool. I would well, you know, and, and maybe when there's more time, I'd love to connect with you a little bit about the funk symposium because I my my roommate actually went to University of Dayton. Everybody in my family went to schools in Ohio. And, um, uh-huh. and I'm very familiar with the symposium model of, of bringing sort of education in. And, and I know there's a lot of dancers that take the dances from punk culture very, very seriously, especially out here on the West Coast. You know, you oh, see yeah. a lot of dancers. Um, so I'd love to connect with you and see if we can get more involved with that. Sure, sure. I would love to. And like I said, if people want to Google uh, uh, Dayton Funk Symposium, it's part of the University of Dayton, and we're uh, part of that. I mean, it's, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. People from all over the country came. We had uh, one of the Troutman brothers was there. We had uh, uh, the keyboard uh, player from uh, the Steve Miller band. Uh, uh, he was there. Ah. I mean, we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of DJs and uh, uh, music stars come around the country. Were there? I mean, a lot of professors of funk and I mean, it was just it was a great great first session. Great great first wow. session. You know, I was just I was just whole, I was really happy about it. Really happy about it. Oh, fantastic. Well, we also wanted to talk to you about uh, the psychology of funk music, particularly from Dayton, given that both of you are from that region. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see the Bolden film, uh, Mr. Webb, but it dealt with some really, really heavy uh, mental health stuff. It was a film by Daniel Pritzker. Finally got his name right, y'all. I told you I would get it. Daniel Pritzker uh, wrote and directed this film called Bolden. And uh, as Emily was saying at the beginning of this show, it has a heavy, heavy uh, emphasis uh, in the area of substance abuse and mental health. Um, yeah. But there are other aspects of music that, particularly funk 
can, you know, sort of have a positive influence on. Um, what can both Emily and you tell us about Dayton, Ohio, that only a Dayton resident would know? I know from last time, Emily, her family lived right down the street from where the Troutmans were. Uh, yes. What are some yes, of those most most compelling um you have to be there to get it, and you only know it if you're from Dayton Music. What what positive impact does funk have on the people that reside and emerge from Dayton, Ohio? David Webb and then Emily Wessel. Well, I mean, it's just it's just tremendous. It's so it. I mean, it's just when you see these these stars coming down the street and with they, with these hit records and they're walking and they're shaking your hand and talking to you that's that positive influence a lot of them giving back to the community one of the, one of the things point i remember sugarfoot came and uh we had a little a little garage band he pulled up in his little sports car got out and listened to us and shook our hand Roger Troutman on a corner of Salem Avenue and Catapa. The Troutman studio was across the street, and it was a place called, uh, it's a chicken place called uh, famous, Lee's Famous Recipe. It was right there. He used to go and eat lunch in there, and he used to sit and talk to us. And he used to do the Donald Duck sound with his voice. <laughs> I mean, it was it's tremendous. I mean, then you had a couple of drummers and uh, guitar players go down to Bernie's Music Store downtown, an Ace Music Store mm-hmm. on Waterford Lee at that time, where they used to sit and play and give us, show us little uh, lessons, give us little chord things. I mean, these guys was larger than life, but they were just help, very helpful, very helpful to these young musicians like myself coming up. Yes. Oh, how about that? Emily Wessel. Well, one thing I've noticed about the music industry, particularly the folks from Dayton, is that there's so much more community involvement. And I think that's probably true of, of a lot of cities, but I, that's just my experience with Dayton is that, you know, there I feel like there's a lot of uh, giving back to the community, um, li- even just living in their hometown, you know, maybe only touring, fr- but having their base or their studio or their agency or whatever they work with based in their hometown and really being rooted there. And there's something really special and unique about that when it comes to the bands from Dayton. And I think that that says something about the mental health condition, too. I mean, a lot of people are trying to escape something, and so they leave home, and they get into an industry, mm. an entertainment-based industry, and that can be a very unsettling because when it's all when all of the when the shows are all done, uh, what where what are you left with? You know, wherever you go, there you are, and and so being able Absolutely. to go home and settle and ground is really important. Definitely, yeah, and I always don't worry. Yeah, go ahead, David. Yeah, I was gonna say that, and that's true too. A lot of the gentlemen who left Dayton, Ohio, they came back, and you know they lost a lot of their money, and they lost a lot of things, and and you know, it it was it wasn't it wasn't the same no more. Like when they were when they were were big in the in the late, early sixties, uh, early seventies, and stuff like that. A lot of those guys lost a lot of stuff, and then they're trying to get it back because the music has changed. Uh, industry has changed. You don't get a seventy-five thousand dollar deal no more. Those guys might get a five to ten thousand dollar deal because because everything's in the, your home. You can record now. They don't have those big deals no more. Record companies are dissolving, so everything's uh, run by a corporate person uh, from from one location controls everything. That's what's going on now. Oh, how about that? You know, I often worry about how the funk community is doing just in terms of financial status. Are they still working? I mean, I know most of them have uh, blended with other acts like modern day acts. I even saw maybe a couple years ago, I saw Ernie Isley, uh, who's not from Dayton, but I believe uh, T-Neck Records was in Cincinnati, right, David? Cincinnati, born and raised. Isley Brothers were out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and moved to T-Neck, New Jersey. Mm. Yes. And so I saw him one night on TV. 
Oh, I just said, there it is, Ohio again. It's, you know, there's so many people from Cincinnati and Dayton that um, often it doesn't get mentioned that they're from Cincinnati or from Dayton. Right. Uh, so, so many samples so taken many, from those groups. So many groups, because you know, you know, and I, we do, we do, we do Funk Music 101, Emily, and, and uh, DJ Wrong. We do Funk Music 101 down at the, in the museum when people came in, and we asked a question. Did you know the first group that Jimi Hendrix played with? Anybody know what the first group that Jimi Hendrix played with before he made his big deal? It was the Isley Brothers. Yes, right. That's right. Man, I would have loved to be there to play that musical Jeopardy. I love questions <laughs> like that. The <laughs> well, Isley Brothers. DJ is really we, good at those games. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, dancers do pretty well, too, if you dance to the funky music like you did. But Ernie oh. Isley was jamming with, uh, what, what's that uh, European... A woman's name. Um, oh my God, he was playing with her on I think the Jimmy Kimmel show. Is another one I'm going to have to look up. Josh Stone. He was playing with Josh Stone on uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show. So it made me think, David and Emily. I mean, how well are the the artists of Dayton who were famous back in the day when they were in their heyday in the 70s, 80s, and music sort of evolved and moved on? How many of them are still doing well? And not just Dayton artists. I wonder how the funk community as a whole is doing because when I think about uh, is, are there any funk millionaires? And the only one that comes to mind is Lionel Richie of the Commodores, who came out of that super group. They're from the South. I believe they came out of uh, Alabama. 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 Or, Alabama. Yeah. So, yeah. Tuskegee. So I'm wondering, how well is, on the whole, David, is the uh, the funk community doing in terms of that? You talk about them trying to recoup their, their, their royalties. From, well, you uh, know, some, remember back then, back then, a lot of, lot of those guys sold their royalties uh, for money, uh, sold their their rights and their uh, uh, their uh, BMI status, and ASCAP status, gave them it away, and they just find stuff because they, they didn't actually have the education and understanding about music and stuff like that. Now, I I don't know per se who's rich or not, but I know some funk groups out of Dayton, Ohio, still working. The Ohio Players, uh, you got uh, Zap is still doing. Shirley Murdoch is still doing stuff out of Dayton. Uh, you got you got you got different groups of slaves, not original slaves, because uh, the, the original mm-hmm. slave has not got back together. But they're supposed to be coming back together and doing some stuff. Uh, then you have a, a, a band called the Son of Slave. Uh, Mark Adams' son is going out and doing a slave tribute band out there. Uh, then you have uh, some groups are still recording, some groups are not, and some groups are living off their royalties. Um, that's pretty much it. Mm, okay. Well, I'm glad that's going well. So, tell you what, um, I want to take a short break, and when we come back, Mr. Webb and Emily, I want to talk to you about uh, the latest developments in the uh, the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton. I want to talk to you about that. Uh, I want to talk briefly, excuse me, talk briefly about one more aspect in funk news uh, involving uh, the one of the main superstars of funk and some of the the, uh, the the accusations and entanglements that he's involved in. Talking about George Clinton. So uh, I want to round out the conversation by talking about that. So this is KCWG, thetruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. We're joined tonight by Emily Wessel, mental health therapist in California, as well as the good brother, Mr. David Webb, president and CEO of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio. So ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for more. We'll be right back with Emily and David after this. Ambro Heda, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. 
Oh yes. Oh, we just grooving. This I like is. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is ACWG, My name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. We have Emily Wessel on the line as well as the singing voice of Mr. David Webb of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio. Mr. Webb, that was a group called Faiso. What can you tell us real quick about the group Faiso out of Dayton, Ohio? Faiso was the warm-up group for the Ohio Players. And I mean, you, I mean, these guys are good. They did a, one of my favorite songs is "Breaking in the Funk," "Riding High." I mean, these young men were superstars and young superstars who had a great career with the highway. That signed them to She Records, his own personal record, and the rest is history. Absolutely, I love that band. I think the last time you were here, I was talking about how much I love "Riding High." And back yes. in the day, I was only allowed to buy 45 singles, but I wanted the whole album because I knew I was going to be missing out on those tracks like that. Yes, this well, Faiso is like one of the funkiest tracks on that album. And, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't forget think, about Breaking in the Funk. You know, absolutely. If, if, if the engineer has Breaking in the Funk, put that on. That Breaking in the Funk was the song. Oh, man. Because oh, Roger man, well, Parker played play. the drums. He did a hesitation on the roll with the drums, and he was blah, boom, breaking in the funk, y'all. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, there's so much there. I mean, during the break, uh, Emily and you were talking about uh, some of her roots in um, Dayton. Uh, can yeah. we pick up right there, Emily? Last time you were here, you were talking about some of your abolition roots in Dayton, Ohio, and how yeah. it tied into everything that you do with mental health. Uh, talk to us about that a little bit again. Well, yeah, sure. My So my mother's maiden name is Butterworth, and there's a famous um, station from the Underground Railroad called the Butterworth Station. It's still the, the family home is still in our family. It's a, it was a dairy farm for centuries, and now it's just a home that they rent out. But it, you know, it has a long history because it was on the Little Miami River. And what a lot of people don't know about Ohio is that there was a huge um, amount of people that passed through the Little Miami Um they didn't quite take the Ohio River because that was the expected route. So the Little Miami became sort of the the other way to go and the way that many people went. And so, um, you know, the, I was just raised with that abolitionist sort of mentality of that, like, just because you have some type of privilege doesn't necessarily mean that you don't use that to help other people. Um, and that you and to be grateful for whatever privilege you do have, but, you know, not to be ashamed of it, but also not to overlook the fact that you have it. And so being raised that way, I think, opened me up to a lot of what, the music was saying the message and a lot of the, the music really spoke to me because that's how I was raised. Oh, absolutely. And Mr. Webb, that, I mean, what do you think about that? That is quite a legacy that ties into the funk scene, right? I mean, it is awesome because uh, one of the things that I remember back in the day, we went down to Springboro, Ohio. That's like maybe like five or six yeah. miles outside of Dayton. It's probably it's in the Dayton region and stuff like that. Uh, how, how the Quakers did a lot down there. I mean, but one of the things that people probably forgot, Emily, maybe you can jump in there a little too. Uh, it was a church in Dayton that people forgot about. It was called Tabernacle Church, where mm-hmm. they, uh, it was it was right downtown, kind of like in West Dayton, where they, it was the Underground Railroad was right there. And uh, they used to hide the slaves underneath downtown in this church called Tabernacle, and it's still standing today. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I love about Ohio history is they really did a lot to preserve. I mean, I think just Ohioans in general are about preservation. I think they knew they were doing an important work, whether it was through music or through civil rights or through, you know, um, abolitionists. Whatever they were doing, they felt like it was important to preserve it. And and that comes, I think, from sort of the Quaker culture. I mean, the Quaker uh, libraries exist all over um, Ohio. You can go and actually read these stories written right from the people and, there's not a lot of other places that can wow. say that they have that, those kinds of records. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, too, like I said, you know, it was two tabernacle churches they had, you know, one down. But when we, when I went down to the, where, where they built it, it was an older church, and you see, and you see where the newer church. And if you go down there, you see the older church where the deacons showed me where they boarded it up, where you, where you can see where the slaves were out there. And that was very interesting. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. I mean, I was, I was, I was so lucky to have um, spent some time in Dayton in, in 2016. And, David, we actually, I think we might have met when um, at, when Zap was playing at the Victoria Theater because I it was the year my mom and my grandmother passed, and I was in Dayton for a few months preparing the house for sale and going through all the old boxes and, you know, things. And uh, the, and I learned so much about my family history. I mean, I thought I knew a lot, but when, when, when you have a relative that passes away, and especially two generations that pass away, it's very interesting what you can uncover. And, and we had so many records, um, you know, memoirs that, that Quaker relatives wrote for the work that they did. I mean, even names of people that passed through their property and that they helped, you know, kind of take, you know, horse-drawn carriages and, and, and moved up through through the north. I mean, it's just really amazing, you know, and I was just kind of in awe about all of it as I was going through, you know, a dark time for losing people in my family. Mm-hmm. I had this history and this preservation to hold on to, to feel connected. And then, of course, I had the music. I think the reason I came to see Zap was because I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe they're playing. First of all, I get to hear Computer Love live, which I've never heard. Because <laughs> California to me. I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I get to go to the Victoria Theater, which I was raised by my grandmother to know was like an iconic theater in Dayton since like the 1800s. And um, mm-hmm. and then I saw you guys. Theater, that yeah. Was kind of my, yeah, that was kind of my first um, opportunity to really see there's somebody really doing funk preservation and being someone involved in dance preservation. I thought I got to connect with them and see what they're doing because it's really interesting to me. This is like my roots. Uh-huh. Did you approach David and say hi? Did you say hi to him, Emily? I, I, I did, I did, but it was a busy night. It was a, that was a big deal show, I think. Um, you know, that might have been one of the bigger shows they had done that year in the was area. That, was, that, was, that, was that when Zap, was, was I on stage, was I on stage at the, at the Schuster Center? And I was, and I was, uh, and kind of introduced Zap, was that that time? It, um, no, it was the Victoria Theater, and it was um, it was in October of 2016. It was, you know. Yes, that, um, that, that, that was playing, that was playing, yes. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember because we did exhibit in the uh, in the hallway. Yes, I remember. That's right. Yep, that's right. And that's wow. how I got to know you guys. So, so when DJ Rome asked me to do the show, and we started talking about you know funk, and I was like, oh wait a minute, you know, the Dayton roots and and the funk. And he's like, oh yeah, he's been a guest on the show, and I think that's how we ended up today <laughs> talking. Well, let me let me jump in a little quick on this. In the in a in the thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties, Dayton, Ohio. A lot of people migrated from the south to, to the north for jobs and industry. And Dayton, Ohio, was one time the patent capital of the world. Did y'all know that? No, I no. didn't. Didn't know. It was, a, it was a patent capital of the world because Dayton, at, at one time, Dayton, just to, just in the city, we ain't talking about the suburbs and the township. Dayton, Ohio, almost had three hundred thousand people in the city limits. I mean, it was booming. They was going to get. Uh, you had you had the uh, National Catcher there, Frigidaire. Uh, NCR, 
I mean, I mean, dating was so industry was so booming. It, it was like wow. And you know, we, they talk about the Wright brothers. They talk about Paul Lawrence Dunbar. You know, the Charles Kettering, different people. But one thing I always tell people: you forget about the music of Dayton. Dayton played right. a big role in music history, and people don't understand. Dayton still have so many groups. They have actors, actors, athletes. You name it, Dayton, Ohio, for a small, medium city, has so much talent out of there. Not just music, actors, actors, ball players, baseball players, football players, hockey players. I mean, you just name them, movie stars. I mean, it was it, it was tremendous. And, you know, that's why I love that I was born in Dayton, Ohio, and in, 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 in this rich culture of Dayton. Oh, mm. wow. Well, that is some storytelling right there. And uh, before the break, we were talking about... Um, you know, there, there, there's something going on with, with the Clintons and the Warrells, and, you know, we don't really want to gloss into that too much because uh, I don't know if I told you, David and Emily, but uh, did I tell you I introduced George one night? No, no. <laughs> yeah, man, it's like when, when you when you fraternize with your heroes a little bit, man, you, you wish them all well, you know what I'm saying? I've seen Bernie yeah, Warrell live, and so I, I, I don't like to see them feuding, but, you know, there, there is something in the news out there, and I'll leave it to people to kind of look that up and just wish everybody well. And uh, yeah. pray that they all get through that because the, the funk is yeah. on the one. You know what I mean? But uh, that is some amazing discussion between Emily and you. Uh, Emily, go ahead. I was just going to say one thing. I will mention about what's going on with with um, with George Clinton and and the I guess it's the 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 Warrell um, estate that's that's actually in mm-hmm. the in the lawsuit. And you know, my my main thing is just somebody that specializes in working with families and addiction. My whole career has been surrounding either music and dance or addiction. And, and that's why I became a counselor and a clinician because I wanted to be able to understand all of the different aspects of, you know, alcoholism and addiction and how it affects not just the person who has it, but also all of the friends, family, band members, you know, supporters, community, church, whatever it is, it affects your relationships with people. And so I think that this is just one more picture of how addiction can really affect um, connection, and so we really have to be delicate with that, not just in the news, but also with each other. Absolutely. Um, everybody has somebody in their life that they are connected to that has struggled with addiction. It's it's very prevalent, and the and the more we hide from it and fight about it, the less we can heal it. And so I just encourage people to be open, you know, to talking about it in a way that's more healing than um, adversary. Yeah, oh, exactly. Right. And, and let, me, let me just just say something briefly. Remember, in the yes. '60s and the early '70s, drugs were uh, the big thing of choice at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I, like I said, like Emily said, she she said it great like that. But you know, we just have to make sure we pray for these these people, and they understand a lot of people made choice bad choices in their careers because yeah. that's the only thing they knew. Everything was sex, rock, and. Uh, Drugs and rock and roll, as they say, you know, and that's true. Yeah. But you know, hope uh, this this stuff will get. Hope this will get through to people with understanding. You know, please for God, and that's what's what's going on. You know, and we want to pray for uh, the, these these two lovely people and their organizations that they will uh, come to a common ground and make it work. Mm-hmm. Definitely, on the one, on yes. the mm-hmm. one. Well, uh, we're just about out of time, Mr. Webb and Emily. I can't oh, thank no. you all enough for being here, no. but uh, man, yeah, I know, man. I mean, we we we, we gotta we gotta get it on the one again. But uh, there's some developments happening in the uh, the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center. Uh, what can you tell us about the progression of this amazing artifact in Dayton? And uh, what are some of the next steps for you? 
All right, now we're looking for another place. We had to leave the fire block district because of new developers who took over. It wasn't, it wasn't our fault at the time. They wanted us to move everything out of the, our, the museum and then come back in, and they wanted to raise the rent to $1,400. We couldn't afford that. So we're asking people to go to our website, thefunkcenter.org. That's the Funk Center, all one word, dot org, and you know, look, you know, see what we're doing. Donate. We have swag that we have. People can order swag from our website, t-shirts, mugs, etc. And so we, we're putting this money toward a worthy cause of educating our, our our youth and understanding how music is very important. We want to keep the legacy of funk music alive for generations to come. Absolutely. Well, like I said, Emily and I just watched this Bowden film, and it just goes to show how important preservationist culture is. And yes. what you're doing yes. in Dayton is essential. I mean, it has to continue. And I noticed that you did get that uh, that store up where people can buy T-shirts, yes. mugs, and uh, gear uh, to yes. preserve the funk. And like you said, all of that, all those proceeds go toward the uh, advancement of this next uh, project, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We need we need to show we're a five hundred one c charitable organization. Our goal and mission is to educate our public's knowledge and the history of funk music is very important. DJ Ron. Oh man, well I can't thank you enough. Uh, if you could close us out, uh, you have a mission, and uh, I thought it was such a beautiful statement. I was wondering if you could just, even if you don't know it word for word, you, you've done this a few times, but it, it's such a beautiful vision for the legacy of funk. And I was wondering if you could lay that on Emily, the audience, and myself before we let you go. Our vision and mission is to house and maintain funk memorabilia where the public, especially the children, can be educated by the history of funk music on the one. That's it. Mm. In a nutshell. Wow, beautiful stuff. Well, Emily Wessel, uh, final thoughts for the audience of Mr. Webb. Emily Wessel. Oh, I'm just really grateful to be a part of this conversation. Like I said, I'm a fan of the, the Funk Center and what they're doing, and then the roots in Ohio and Dayton specifically, you know, makes me feel close to my mom and my grandmother and all my all my ancestors, which is a huge part of my culture. And and I just, you know, I think it's really cool how we all came together. I mean, I started out on this show the other day talking about Go-Go, and, and my main thing about Go-Go was like, hey, it's funk, though. Like, funk is a root Indeed. of Go-Go, and that's how we got... And that's how we got from there to here, and I just think that's a really cool connection. So thank you, Rome, for providing the space for us to talk about it. 